Welcome to Every Album Ever with Mike and Alex. My name is Michael Mansour, and I'm joined, as always, by my excited and happy co-host, Alexander Volt. Say hello. Hello. This is Every Album Ever, the podcast where we listen to every single album in the world, one artist at a time. That's pretty much a new discography per episode. And today, we'll be discussing every album by... Jonathan Fire Eater. This was requested on Patreon by Derek. Thank you, Derek, for being patient and, and supporting us and being our good buddy. And giving us this band to talk about. Go to the the Patreon if you want to suggest artists for us. It's cool stuff. Jonathan Fire Eater. Okay. Brand new for me. Brand new for me too. And uh, brand new for the the entire EAE team, including Tom, uh, our history guy who left us some some notes here. Uh, I I remember we got the requests and we were like, what is this? And then I saw they had... um, I believe like three of these members went on to go form the the Walkmen, which yep. uh, was a very cool band in the the early two thousands. So I was like, I can work with that. How do you feel? I I don't like them. Tom nailed it he, on our notes. He wrote, "I'm not. I'm, I'm going to read what he what he wrote exactly." He said, uh, "I'm no authority, but based on previous episodes, I guess Alex does not like this band." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's correct. I don't like him either. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm glad I stumbled across a uh, a Vogue article, though, of all things, mm-hmm. um, because in the in the book "Meet Me in the Bathroom," which is you know about like all those like new york alternative bands Mm -hmm. the strokes all bands i'm not a fan of generally honestly interpol yeah 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 yeah. um yeah i guess i guess jonathan fire eater set the table for those bands you can you can tell you can absolutely tell and if you if you're if you like those bands that's awesome then this is this would scratch i figured this would scratch that itch i mean i did for you i do like most of those bands why don't you like this band? <laughs> this is like if you ever listened to the strokes and you wondered like what the strokes sounded like if all the members did heroin. I don't even know if anyone in the strokes does heroin, but if I, the, the, the Casablanca's motherfucker has, has to, to listen, has listen to, to him talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or even the way he sings. Um, oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. This is like if everyone in the strokes was on heroin. There's so this band what kept coming to mind what kept i kept thinking of and kept feeling these this is not a this is this is simply what i felt this is not a bad or good thing mm-hmm. depending on who you are it's a bad or good thing for me it's a bad thing yeah. because all i kept feeling was a a fucking disgusting hybrid of the strokes and the velvet underground mm, two bands yes. i don't like yes there's so a velvet underground episode if you want to shit on me <laughs> uh there's or uh, if for some reason you've heard of the Virgins. Who, oh, Lord. Yeah. They're better than the Virgins. They're significantly better oh, yes. than the Virgins. Yes. But just to like lump into that New York uh, alternative crowd. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's always a hodgepodge of sounds. It, it fluctuates between albums. I see. I see Tom bring up John Spencer Blues explosion he who i've i've never listened to so so he he brings up john spencer you tell tom put some of these notes uh, wrote these notes uh like chronologically yeah because he first thing he writes is like i wonder if that's a, a reference to john spencer blues explosion i wonder if these guys are associated and then 
the more, at least according to Tom, they yeah. are heavily, heavily inspired by, they're heavily associated with, they, they networked with, they worked with them. Mm-hmm. They had similar, like, I don't know if it was a, the guy who mastered the same records or the, or the same mixer, I forget. Uh, there's a lot of overlap. And at least I, I could be wrong, but the way Tom made it seem, it's like, these guys aren't that original. Uh, and listening to it, I don't think they're original. I, you, I hear all their influences it, more than a, an individual band. Yeah, for me, like, and we'll get into it. But yeah, I was always like, oh, I can hear this. I can hear that. And then at one point, I thought maybe they were doing their own thing. And then I was like, your own thing. It stinks. Their own thing does stink. But there are... I'm shitting hard on this band. But there are moments that I... Like, there are legitimately good songs here. I think there's, like, actual good songs. I I thought you could go either way because the the organ player... I guess it's more of a baseball organ than a a carnival organ. But they're close. The the organ player, who that's Walter Martin on, on organ and keyboards... I was, th- aside from the vocals uh, mm-hmm. done by Stuart Lupton, who's like the main guy of the band, who's also the main reason the band failed. We'll get more into that. Aside from his vocals, which I, I fucking hate his vocals, the organs broke my heart the most. Really? Because early on, they set up this kind of interesting, you kind of don't know what he's going to do in every song kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And as it goes on, he just leans on the same fucking thing and every song feels exactly the same. It's happy and poppy and and garagey yeah uh and so i was most let down but and also uh paul maroon the guitar player also plays a pedal steel mm-hmm. and you could barely tell and that's that's another thing like if you're gonna bring a pedal steel into a band like this where you normally wouldn't have that fucking show off baby yeah let it be known there's only like a couple moments where it's like oh that's a pedal steel doing something interesting that a pedal steel normal normally wouldn't do because i guess we'd associate it with country mm-hmm. but it's buried in this yeah. shitty production yeah and the production is shitty across uh, the board i am a happy paul martin and matt um matt barrick the drummer yeah uh got you know Got their chops up and is significantly better in the Walkmen. So, and because only member I didn't mention is Tom Frank, the bass player. He is also there. Same lineup from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, although it's only a, this band only lived five years, so it's very short lifespan. Very, very short. But another thing that, so I, I, as I always do with this pod, I always put all biases at the door. I want to hear if I like the music, I'll fucking forgive any horrific <laughs> deed, no matter how egregious or annoying it may seem to me. And I'm not being turned by the music. And the more I'm reading about the band, the more I'm hating the band. Interesting. Like, or at least like being just ugh, another cliche. Oh, another singer who's hooked on heroin, who drags the, oh, cool. Another one of those. Yeah. I'm just fucking tired of that story for one. And I then, guess. I I feel like we've this covered like so many drug addicts at this point where I'm just like it's I'm bored of it I'm bored of the story not to it's the story is there to entertain me but also the way these guys were hyped as like the next big thing oh yeah listening to this song like fucking this this in in 95 this is what you were fucking losing your mind over are you fucking kidding me sorry but I don't like it that much yeah I guess you know, is a different time. And I'm sure, you know, 95, everyone was trying to find that 
that new that new sound right they were trying to yeah find the next thing that no one thought would would break and then we're gonna make it break but i get that some of the stuff is legitimately catchy i'm not gonna take that away from it but we've heard it a lot this is just like a slightly i'll I'll say more modern version of it i'll say weirdos have heard it velvet underground is pretty popular at that point in time but like there's also like you know like suicide influences or but they don't sound like suicide they do not sound like suicide if those organs were more like suicide organs i'd be way more on board check that episode sure that's a special kind of insane yeah but i can hear it fair enough fair enough Uh, or even you know even some some Nick Cave, some Iggy Pop. A lot of, lot of Iggy Pop, especially in the vocals. He's not like trying to do an Iggy impression, but you, you hear it. Mm-hmm. You, you hear exactly. That's the thing. Like, be influenced all you want. I don't give a fuck about that. But make original hooks, original melodies. Make it, make it feel like something else. Uh, not too long ago, we talked about Ken Mode and how, yeah, the guitar player is insanely influenced by Dwayne Dennison and the Jesus Lizard. He's playing it just like him, but the band doesn't feel like a Jesus Lizard knockoff. Mm-hmm. This feels like a knockoff of a lot of bands mm. or of Iggy and Velvet Underground. Um, and I don't know. I just, I would forgive it if, if it was more hooky, but a lot of it, it kind of falls back on, all right, we're going to make this one happy and garagey. And then it's a whole album with that most of the time. There are are a lot of songs that start off and I think maybe maybe they're going to do something different and then they they do not. Yeah, but they are not the worst band we've covered. I don't don't hate them. I'm not. I don't like them. I don't love them. I'm not going to go back. But the Sporge. Yeah. So all in all, we're going to be covering three records, although one of them, the second EP. Yeah, the second EP, um, the reissue, the version you'll find streaming, compiles the very first debut EP as well as some bonus tracks. Uh, but so we're going to be covering the the debut EP in that mm-hmm. section. But aside from that, uh, two e- total two EPs, two albums. First album ninety five, and last album nineteen ninety seven. Uh, very brief existence, and with some bumps along the way. Yes. Uh, so let's. Uh, just started out a little bit, you know. Uh, uh, like I said earlier, our boy Tom Eisen, a history guy who gets all this dirt for us, um, he compiled some stuff here. One is a, an interview with the Stool Pigeon that was reprinted by the Quietists from 2007, and uh, an article from 1998 by the Observer or Observer. And this is one of the reasons I dislike this band out of the gate, not musically. Um, this thing from their their history. So these guys, they they've known each other known each other since elementary school. They played in a bunch of various you know punk and ska groups, or whatever. Yeah, this is what Paul Maroon says uh, about their early days. He says an earlier St. Albans era incarnation, the Ignobles, an early version of the band, uh, regularly opened for acts like Lenny Kravitz and Fugazi. Check out that episode uh, at local clubs in D.C. We'd hear a new band and try to write a song that sounded like it. We'd go from band to band, haircut to haircut. I wore shorts on stage once. That was a low point. What a moron. So I already am fucking rubbed the wrong way. One, because they're literally trying to write music that sounds like other people and trying to fit in with a crowd. That's one. But also, 
There's nothing wrong with wearing shorts on stage if you feel like that's what you if that's what you are. Wear fucking shorts, dude. Who cares? Quit trying to fucking fit in so much. Yeah. That <laughs> bothers me, dude. Like, no, dude, wear whatever you want. That's punk. Wearing whatever the fuck you want. Be yourself. God damn it. I'm so angry. He was young. He was a young warthog. But this is him saying it older. <laughs> this is him regretting that. That's what bo- that's why I, I feel this this tinge of inauthenticity on it. Uh that just kind of permeates. Uh, sorry. It says, uh, it wasn't long before they convinced themselves to break the shackles of their bourgeois collegiate existence and jump into the Lower East Side's gritty bohemian rock scene or something like that. Did they move in with uh, with Jira from Swans? Michael Jira? I don't know if, I don't think he'd like them. <laughs> Especially in 95. I think he'd be very hostile to <laughs> Yeah, check out those episodes. It's, it's definitely a better band. Sorry, sorry. Can't keep comparing things to this band. Uh, so it says, we christened Jonathan Fired by Stewart. They all relocated in 1994 to what would become the, their fame incubator, uh, a small railroad apartment with a shower in the kitchen. It says they weren't able to drink legally yet, but they started hanging out at Max Fish on Ludlow Street or Ludlow Street. Stewart would wear his big white Pee Wee Herman shoes and polka dotted scarf and the bartenders would pour them sodas as they networked with the John Spencer Blues Explosion and Tom Rhodes writes naturally. Things, as they say, picked up. Jonathan Fireator began to attract a sympathetic downtown cult. The New York press pegged them to be huge. College Music Journal devoted entire futures column, column to them. Good, uh, good eye. Nice prophetic abilities, buddy. <laughs> there must have this not been a lot happening what no that's not true it's new york it's crazy yeah they just stink those publications stink they don't know what the fuck they're talking they never know what the fuck they're talking about there's nothing's changed the same now as it was then it's true check out uh rolling stones 250 guitar player check out anything by rolling stone and you'll fucking vomit god damn worthless sorry i'm fired this episode you are Uh, you came in you came in spicy i it's been so long since we've covered a band that wasn't good. <laughs> Sorry, they're not bad. They're just not what we like. Uh, you know, I guess that's what the people came for. I suppose some. Yeah. I don't know if Derek agrees. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, I'm sure you like the band. I'm sorry. So they put up their first EP in 1995. It's self-titled, but it's also known as the public hanging of a movie star because it's the title of the opening track. And it's all... Their debut album is also self-titled, so it's kind of fucking stupid. But um, engineer, th- this is what Tom notes. He says, uh, engineer Greg Townfeld went on to work on a number of John Spencer Blues Explosion records, and it's already one of the overlaps, or maybe it's two at this point. Um, but this piece on them says, they put out their first self-titled EP, uh, and an artist and repertoire scout from Geffen started circling. This was in 1995, near the end of the indie rock era, and the majors were still out trolling for the next ostensibly uncommercial band who could hit it big. It was around then, friends say, that Mr. Lupton began to experiment with heroin. Always a bit of a handful, this new development distressed his bandmates, uh, and Mr. Lupton refused to comment on his drug use, except to call the Lower East Side a narcotic supermarket. <clears throat> Sounds about right. Want to hear the the saddest tale of a fucking dork? Uh, It says he often got ripped off by the local dealers who didn't take him seriously. One friend recalls the homeboys. (laughs) What a fucking funny way to write that. We all know what what they're talking about. One friend recalls the homeboys in the neighborhood taunting the uh, satorially rigorous Mr. Lupton by calling out, Elvis, Elvis, we thought you were dead. You want to be dead? Holy shit. Dude. (laughs) 
I mean, it's imagining that dude with Pee Wee Herman shoes getting taunted by people in the hood. And he has to go up and buy drugs from them because he's got a problem. Oh, Christ almighty, man. I will I will also add, uh, thanks to that Vogue article, that Geffen deal is rumored to be worth $1 million. Oh, well, the Geffen deal, which ended up being DreamWorks Records, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to talk about that when we get to the album. It was a bad choice. <laughs> it was a poor choice on yeah. their part. I mean, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's yeah. shady record labels being fucking grimy. But it was a it was a bad deal. I wonder if they got a million dollars. They didn't. Okay. Spoiler alert. They did not. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> so that was like the first EP. We're gonna be talking about the first EP because it's on the second EP. But right now we're gonna jump into the first album. Um, if you are ready. I am ready. This album is not streaming, so we had to go to YouTube. I don't know if it's anywhere else, but it's around. You could find it somewhere. So this is 1995's self-titled. The drums already tell you a lot. That's what the, what the drums are doing. I mean, it, garage rock, straight garage rock. It is the sorriest. Maybe, the, yeah, maybe puppet one. There we go. It was the what? Sorious sounding snare drum. Yeah, this sounds pretty rough. And the vocals? Fucking, fucking Randy Newman ass vocals. I know. I'll cut this part picking up. Yeah, slobbery, slurry vocals that feel pretty. And then, of course, the, the commands are very... Very Iggy Pop. Cheers up with some of the Stooges! This picturing Will Sasso, Randy Newman. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. This is an interesting chorus. I don't, I don't mind this. Although the vocals are just an Iggy ripoff, and it's driving me fucking crazy. It has a, I mean, it's really grimy. It's really shitty, and it's that's I kind of like that. It, I mean, it's an interesting album. Uh, best personal favorite. Best personal favorite, and I don't really <laughs> like this album, but I think, and I was worried when I first heard this. Like, this isn't that bad, but I sure hope it gets better. This. <laughs> this is the only one I was interested in. Same. This yeah. is the only one that feels actually kind of unique. It's still rough. Like at least like almost half the songs in here I don't like, but the the stuff that lands feels pretty interesting. Like that was, you know, a standard garage rock song, but mm-hmm. at least it's like in a way unpredictable. That chorus is kind of strange where the, the bass and guitar drop out uh, and it, the, the tempo shifts and stuff. And it's really, it's sloppy and, and strange, but it's, that's not too bad. And then the Spanish flag comes on. It's more 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 spooky. Yeah. I like I like it a lot more than the opening track for sure. They have this like weird theme where it's like the Silver Surfer, the Spanish Fly, the Silver Screen. Yeah, a lot of the titles are kind of thematic like that. Um, but at least on Silver Screen, I'm glad the drums get a little bit more lively, which is more than I can say for later albums. Yeah, this is some busy drums. I like them. Uh, and they have these clangy, high-pitched guitar chords. It's it's not bad. It's messy, but it's I think it's strong stuff. I like the song. Yeah, it's it's noisier than the previous songs for sure. And the Spanish Fly 
also um like you said spooky that's exactly it because it's you can't you, i wouldn't call it dark i wouldn't call mm-hmm. it evil i'd call it spooky like haunted house organs yeah these dubby bass lines it's completely different vibe from like the the, the songs that it's sandwiched between but it's solid limes and skulls is where i thought velvet underground i thought more nick cave on there um i thought maybe it would go like a a noisy birthday party route but it didn't no no it's it's subdued until the end and then it gets like a little bit crazy yeah it's like uh it's very loose it's it's almost psychedelic in a a very messy kind of way there's something i don't know like it's interesting but there's something boring about it i can't put my finger on it's something detached about it that's I would use that what you just said to just like summarize their whole whole career. There's something boring about it. I just can't figure like it's just, why is it so boring? Because th- that song doesn't even have bad progressions. I don't mind the progressions, but it's something just feels really like Jesus Christ. Do something else. Do something with it. Uh, and I'm I really top to bottom. I can't stand the vocals. Mm. I don't find them interesting on this album and like the next EP. He's pretty much doing a lot of Iggy Pop, and on the last album. It's just average, average, like semi singing. I would just call it semi singing. I can't like strokesy, I guess, but it's more of an influence than a, um, anything else. Yeah. Which influencing of the strokes rather would be fine if the music was interesting, but it's not, um, Romans and barbarians. That's where I was like. That was the first time I thought about Velvet Underground. Really? I, yeah. I actually like that song. It's pretty kooky, very odd. Mm-hmm. It's got a tinge of heaviness. Would not would call anything they do heavy, but a tinge. Uh, he is really, really drunk sounding on Christmas and Halloween. Oh, boy. Yep. I I don't like that song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is like noise, noise rock Randy Newman. Um, very slurry, very slobbery, and and plus that song, it's just it gets it's, it's slobbery vocals over two major key chord changes with no rhythm section. I mean, how much more fucking like generic can you get? I mean, that drives me crazy. And yeah, it does get like oddly tropical. Oh, tr- yeah, there are some there's some tropical shit, there, especially on the on the next EP. There's another one that's like yeah. really tropical. Uh, tropical can be done well if you're wean <laughs> or something. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan. Otherwise, uh, lemonade is about as generic as it gets. That is that is the most blatant like stooges. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Not a fan. And so this thing is it's like demo quality and uh, it's very rough as you can tell from the opening track. And the bass is basically inaudible, except. On the oven, the gas, the dreams. It but sounds amazing. That's the best, best song on the fucking album for best, me. I think best song of their whole career. Actually, I wouldn't disagree. Yeah. I wouldn't fucking disagree with yeah. that. It's it, it's actually been stuck in my head all day. It's a good oh, song. Shit. It's a good song. Yeah. Um. It's a, it's catchy as hell. It's got solid drums too. Mm-hmm. Um. And then the the bass makes a huge difference. It's big yeah. and fat, and it really <laughs> holds everything together. What happened here, guy? Exactly. That was a fucking <laughs> fluke, dude. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, and then it closes with "To the Tigers," which stinks. <laughs> it has moments. Like I I like the section at the end. I think it's really cool. Around three minutes in, it changes mood, and that's when the pedal still comes in, and it's it's doing this really cool ethereal creepy stuff but it's so buried in this bad production it's really hard to you gotta really listen for it mm-hmm. but before that like the way it opens up it opens up with these carnival organs which 
I thought, I was like, hey, maybe we're going somewhere weird, somewhere interesting. And then it goes into this, into the most uninteresting four note guitar riff uh, with pounding drums and no bass. And it's just, it feels completely half written and, and unfinished. Um, and the rest of it kind of is kind of better, but a big chunk of the song is that. <laughs> yeah, I think overall, yeah, it's just like a very young band, very like demo quality. Um, Lots of bands have early recordings like this. Yeah. But a lot of them get better. A lot of them, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're kind of they're kind of stagnant. Stagnant. Yeah, they're stagnant, and they haven't really found their sound, quote unquote. I can't. Even, well, I can't even say that because then, like, the Walkman turned into a. A cool band. Maybe so. it was just fucking Stewart holding them back. I mean, I, I maybe. I mean, he literally was because the band crumbled because of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like they they eventually find like a little bit of a formula, mm-hmm. and then they stick like they stick hard to that formula. Here, you could still tell they're jumping around a little bit. They're still heavily influenced by all these bands. You could hear it, but it feels a little bit more experimental in the sense that they're still you know trying shit out and it's more fun the songs are more interesting it 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 feels like they're trying a little bit (laughs) there's somehow more variety there's significantly more variety here (laughs) significantly (laughs) and it's rough around the edges it's not it's still not super original and there's a handful of stinkers it's like one of the worst best (laughs) albums But it's like the good stuff lands pretty hard and it's genuinely fun. Um, but I still, I can, I can also see why it would work for other people too. It could be a lot worse than this. I also feel like, you know, maybe fans of the band, this is, this album isn't, you know, exactly why you're here. Like Mike said, they, they find a formula on the, on the next EP. Yeah. And that's kind of what I think they're, they're more known for. But, uh, yeah. Of all the albums, not to be, Streaming, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. But both of our best and personal favorites. Slowly <laughs> downhill from here. Oh boy! With great reluctance, we gave this our best. Uh, <laughs> but it's time to move on. We need one of these episodes every once in a while to humble what? us, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, I fucking hate going and not liking a band. It it's just a. It, I don't have a good time listening. I don't have a good time shitting on stuff, but. We need them to keep us fucking realistic. Yeah, I I hate people who think like, like oh yeah, like we record these to like crap on a band. No, never, never. Uh, what's a bummer? What what number is this? One one eighty. We've covered a hundred and eighty one bands and then some. Um, there's no way. Anyone on this earth could listen to 181 artists and like all of them. Well, we've listened to a lot more than this is episode 180, but we've listened to, including all the singles, you've listened to a lot of bands. Uh, oh, that, and I just said artists because I don't even yeah. want to do the maths on the albums. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, when we're listening to this much music, man, we're desperate to enjoy ourselves. I, <laughs> I, I dare anyone to listen to over or near 200 artists 
some at random and like all of them. That's fucking nuts. Fucking nuts. No one can do that. No one can do that. But it's time to move on to the EP that blew them up. Yes, sir. Hell yeah. So this also compiles the debut self-titled EP mm-hmm. and some bonus tracks. So we're going to talk about all, all that. So this is 1996's Tremble Under Boom Lights. Only appropriate that uh, Third Man does a lot of cool releases but third man uh third man records would do the reissue oh they did the reissue yeah this is a cool organ line it this is got me real excited it's dancier yeah. he sounds less like randy newman he sure does he sounds a lot more cocky though yes he does but it's a, it's a style i'm not gonna knock him for a style and this has got big booty drums the, the bass is very but it's very dubby if you listen underneath it on the very same day they took her away this is awesome. These guys had to, uh... Hold on. Let me double check before I say this. Yeah. These guys had a crawl, so LCD sound system could run. I've only heard one full song by that band, and I did love it. I, like, I was told by the person who sent to me that don't get my hopes up, though. <laughs> I like what I've heard from LCD sound system, but I'm like also overwhelmed by them somehow. So this song, that gave me a lot of hope. The way that organ and guitar interplay with each other, it's fucking fantastic. And then I was just like, originally I was going to give this best because I was like, it's their own thing. But then I was just like, I, I just don't feel as like, strongly about it uh, i do worst least favorite oh shit i think this is fucking terrible yeah and i didn't know this was the one that, that blew them up until after i heard it so i'm not fucking like coloring anything with like the hype behind it i had no idea this is like like the hype this was the hype machine mm-hmm. uh i think it's genuinely boring as fuck that opener got my hopes up and then destroyed them with the following track make it precious which is the most generic garage horse shit i was it's fucking so bummed i don't know if it's like a rockabilly style guitar i thought of i hate to keep throwing bands out but like a cramp style guitar share that episode and then uh, another band we've covered it's so it's like the cramp style guitars but then you have like this jazzy doors uh, like keyboards so make it precious you you brought up nick cave a couple times that song to me sounds like a shitty deanna mm. and that's not good <laughs> you don't want to have a shitty deanna on your record sorry well you don't want shitty anything no no uh and then tom notes here he says something about the organ on gimme daughters is very birthday party mr clarinet check out the birthday party episode uh that's, I didn't think of Mr. Clarinet. You know, put that on just to, to see if I... Daughters or Clarinet? Give me Daughters. Okay. I mean, we've we've heard Mr. Clarinet. Sure. It's a great song. Um, I will say before I throw this on, 
This is one of the most British sounding songs ever from an American band Ooh. I've ever heard. Like, I don't know how they sound this British. Oh, I see what he's saying. Yeah, they sound more fucking and dirty than their organs on Mr. Cranet for sure. I want to hear how it sounds British. <laughs> might take a while to start that. Mate, we're only playing the cool noise stuff. I know. I mean, this stuff is fun. <laughs> if ever this motorcycle and now I hate it. Yeah. This is British as fuck. Yeah. If you're a motorcycle. <laughs> Dude, there's something about that song that just pisses me off. It's so happy. Why are you so happy? I. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing where... I I completely understand someone liking that. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I just happen to hate it. I hate that style. I hate that whole. I I don't like that whole early 2000s indie in general. Like I've never liked that style. Something about it just itch, itches me. I'm I'm gonna make you listen to the the Strokes or and or the Hives one day. One I'm, of these episodes. I'll listen to the first Strokes album. I will always. <laughs> gi- I'll give that one. I'm not going to diss anything, but I refuse to acknowledge that they're any good after that. Uh, and then after that, we get the Beautician, which has more of that same dancey energy, but I, I think it's better. It's the most like carnival sounding song yet. Um, I like it. The final minute or so, I absolutely do think that is really cool. And I love it's like surreal yet disturbing which seems like they go hand in hand but i don't really feel like we get that a lot not not all the time yeah and i i just think the final minute of that song is really cool it's well done for what it is but some of the layers sound fantastic a lot of Mm -hmm. it i believe is the pedal steel which i think is being used wonderfully and unusually this is kind of what i was hoping for with the pedal steel stuff um, I still don't like the style or presentation, but it's not a bad song at all. It's got it's darker. It's got more. It's got a significantly more interesting main riff mm-hmm. um, than a lot of the songs. And, and then the original EP mm-hmm. ends or closes with Winston Plum Undertaker. That's the tropical song. Yeah, it's it's weird because it's also like quieter and more minimal than the other songs yeah. on here. Yeah. But yeah, if this kind of like goes out on a whimper on a whimper especially when we just had like that cool outro with the beautician yeah it's it's more an interesting happy bass lines with these happy organs i really thought i really thought the organs are gonna be way more interesting on this on this ep i mean in general i guess but from this because there's there's moments with the with the abrasiveness where you're like oh that's a crazy sounding keyboard i wonder and then they just eventually fall into that kind of shit. We're just, all right, we're going to hold on these keys and have it as like a little texture in the background just to make it feel happy. It, oh man, that's just a waste. It feels like a waste to me. I'm just going to listen to the Walkman after this to refresh me. Maybe. And I'm sure you'll enjoy it a lot more. Uh, then we got the debut EP on here. So but- it's made up of uh, the public hanging of a movie star, the cakewalk of crime. And when Prince was a kid, Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of the public hanging of a movie star? I I hate it. It's <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to hate it. I like it. it that's funny because I was like, this is the most Velvet Underground. It's funny. Sounded. All the things that I thought were Velvet Underground were not what yeah. you thought. And vice, yeah, vice yeah. versa. 
Um, so yeah, I was just like, but between the two, I think if you're going to package these together, like maybe like front load it with the earlier stuff. That's usually how they do it. But I think because if I had to guess, it's because this one was way more popular. I, and that one is better. Um, like I actually like this the debut more. Really? I, I, I mean, I like two out of the three songs, so that's significantly better than whatever the fuck. Yeah. I, I do like when Prince was a kid. Uh, yeah, it's me more, too. it's more, it's maybe like one of the few songs in their whole catalog where it's like guitar driven instead of organ driven. It's more upbeat. So, uh, yeah. Well, the, so go back to the color hanging. Um, so I find it to be one of the more interesting songs because it seems like that that song was like, oh, this is pretty good. We, we might be onto something here. Mm. And then they proceeded to kind of do the same thing, but just in less interesting ways. Like the, I think the chorus is super fun. He's got like, you know, monkey uh, uh, vocals, which is like, it's not super cool, but at least he's trying shit. But I, I, and it has like these cool ringing guitar chords. I, I like the chorus. Um, I think it's fine. And then when Prince was a kid, uh, I don't, I'm not gonna pretend I love it, but it mm-hmm. is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got a, it's got a cool chorus for sure. The cakewalk of crime, however, <laughs> is exactly what I don't like about them. Just annoying organs ringing in the background, not doing anything else. Yeah. Uh, a little slow and repetitive with these heavy drums and, uh, not just not that interesting. It's overall. a little deranged, but not much like, uh, Maybe it's like a homeless person where you're like startled to see them, but then you're just like, oh, they're, they're harmless. Yeah. Coming off, uh, <laughs> coming off the hills of mayhem. I don't think, I think we're gonna do a little bit more than this to spook us. <laughs> um, the bonus tracks now. Yeah. You got the city never sleeps, which is a cover. I don't, although I don't know who. Yeah. And then and, in the head. Uh, yeah. City that never sleeps. That's just like full blown, like baseball organ. Yeah. It's poppy, boring, and average. I mean, I, I can't. I, I'm deeply annoyed by that song. Uh, I think "In the Head" is a great example of like, oh shit, the bass and the drums are onto something. Like, it's groovy, it's hypnotic. Like, you guys could do something a little different here, but then like the organ and vocals are just so like that is their. Th- thing it that it, thing, yeah. it always brings them back to that same spot that i felt almost the opposite just more the same i, I heard that and i thought like i, I how many times am i going to listen to this fucking song like it feels like i listened to an entire album of it uh i genuinely don't care for this style um there are some strong i mean for the the whole compilation um there's some strong moments in, in a, a, a couple decent songs a handful of decent songs but Otherwise, an embryonic version of early, of early 2000 strokes indie that I never liked. Um, dancey, happy, fun. I I don't think they're quite there yet. Well, I, think I mean, that embryo- an embryonic yeah. version of it. It's yeah, not yeah. it's not there yet, but you can, you can't not hear it. You know where it's going. It sounds more egregious on the next. The next are not even egregious. I wouldn't say in, that, yeah. but it is. It definitely That's goes the wrong word further. It, yeah. But my worst and least favorite, I didn't like it. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so this is when they signed a big label. is where they signed to a big label and it fucked them up. Uh, so uh, I guess we, we should. Could, 
talk about it after. after? Yeah, because okay. it's yeah, more yeah. of like a lot of fallout okay. that happened okay. as a result. So here it is. There's the last album, 1997's Wolf Songs for Lambs. Because this is their only proper album, I assumed... The debut is an album, but it's not, it's just a bad quality. Yeah, I would assume this would be the most popular, but... Yeah. It had the most budget, but you'd never guess that. It doesn't sound bad, but it doesn't sound like it cost a million dollars. Like, yeah, that drum beat is really fucking cool. I love that guitar line. It's like they're possibly their darkest riff. Yeah, you could do... Like this moody song, but they're gonna go upbeat in a in a few here. I like this though. This thing sounds fucking great. It's completely unique. I can't think of any song that sounds like this. This song gave me a false sense of I was excited. And then this, I like it. It has that style, but it feels like its own thing. It's okay. got the, the, the poppiness, the dancing, but it's a little tinge of the, the hot and hot spooky. Just pepper, just pepper it. Pepper it in. It's fun. I get it. And yeah, this song comes in at a cool, like, two minutes. Yep. Gets in, gets out. I do feel like some of their other songs went on, like, way too long. This is, this is a solid riff. Solid bass lines. This is, like, I think it's a very good song. Uh, I think it's one of their best songs, actually. Yeah. Uh, so that song gave me, like, a, a false sense of what would, ironically, the shape of a thing that never came... Um, I'm imagining this is your worst or least favorite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. worst, worst, least favorite. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. Was I struggling with this one? Really? I like this one more than the last one, but I was kind of kicked in the balls by it because I thought it was going to be best because I yeah. liked the first three tracks. And Same. then after that, it becomes very messy. And yeah. I like and I hate and mix of the two. Um, The shape of things that never came. Yeah. That's like... That was like, okay, I can hear like how they impacted the sh- like, yeah, that and this is my room, room on fire. Uh, I don't know if there's any correlation there, but uh, yeah, like you can really hear it there. Um, although these songs are way more druggy than the strokes would even dare, dare to do, it's pretty druggy. Uh, although that's kind of been the case since the beginning. For, yeah, we set up, you know, the oh, heroines. So. Oh, yeah. But for the shape of things that, that never came. Also. I, I, what? Oh, I'm like, is that an Ornette Coleman reference? I, fuck if I know. You're asking the wrong guy. Uh, but Listeners, <laughs> do you think that's an Ornette Coleman reference? Maybe. The shape of jazz to come. Uh, uh, probably not. These guys don't sound like they were influenced by Ornette Coleman. <laughs> well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that about refused either. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, the shape of things that never came. Yeah. I was immediately disappointed by it because I it was like, fuck, we're back to this average garage shit. Uh, but. I, I, it, there's like a section around a minute 57 that I dig a lot. It's gone immediately, but, mm-hmm. uh, but, and listens is like, it's nothing special, but it's inoffensive. It's got one strong rip. You know, fuck it. It's not that bad. Uh, this is my room has this really fun slidey bass. It has like a very similar vibe to most stuff from the last record. Um, 
but it's it's even it's I can't say it's bad. It's not my style, but it's got like hints of psychedelia in there. Um, I like it, but it still manages to drag on for me. Um, and then things start getting iffy. Yeah, they do. No love like that is bland garage rock that just suck. I mean, it just sucks the soul out of me. I fucking can't stand it. It's for me all downhill from there. Okay, I don't think that, but I do think a lot of it is bad. Like, but, go ahead. I I wasn't as offended by tracks two and three like the way you were. I was still on board. Like, this I still like fine. them. I still like the songs. I wasn't that offended by them. And then by the end of I've changed hotels, I was like, unless like. Like, man, they better improve the songwriting quality on the back half of this album because I am I'm fucking bored to tears. Like, like Hotels has some like 60s pop sensibilities mm-hmm. about it. You could even say it's like a like kind of like a distorted R&B song, but I'm making it sound way cooler than it is. Those three songs in a row, No, no Love Like That, Bipolar Summer and I've Changed Hotels, those three songs in a row were breaking me. I couldn't believe that I was, it felt like I was listening to the same song three times in a row. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, they- there's so little variety in the writing. It, it fucking drove me crazy, but, but everybody plays the mime. I actually like it. I, oh man, I was just like, man, that is like, yeah, that's a great example of a song that like, where I'm like, oh, oh, this starts off cool. And then let's it down. Oh man, yeah. I thought they were just gonna have like a whole different energy to them. The way curtain calls for you like started off. I thought like I thought as well. It doesn't even come close to that song. No, but I do. I w- I will disagree and give it up for everybody who plays the mime. These little monkeys and a night in the nursery. I like all three of those songs. I man, yeah, night in the nursery. I'm just like it's more. It's it's more paint drying for me. I will say at least like these little monkeys and station coffee have like some levity and they have energy. They're more upbeat. Yeah. They're not really like unique. No, not at all. So I'm fucking bored to tears with their upbeat, happy riffs. I'm fucking Mm going to blow my brains out if I hear another fucking happy riff from these guys. So with songs that everybody plays a mime and a night in the nursery, they're they're, they're one of the the three total dark songs on the album. So I'm Mm -hmm. fucking all ears. I'm excited to hear something dark. Um, Everybody plays a mime is is definitely meaner. It's more sinister. I like all the riffs throughout. It's got a similar psychedelic feel, uh, but better written, I think. And then night in the nursery it's got a, it's dark, but with a, a nice, catchy, uplifting chorus. Um, I think also that song is the closest these guys have ever gotten to like an epic of sorts. Mm. Um, it's only like four minutes, not really an epic, and it doesn't go huge, but um, at least it, the closest thing to it. Uh, these little monkeys, the same reason you're fine, you're sort of okay with it. It's the same with me. It, it's the same upbeat garage energy, but uh, I dig the roast more. Um, can't stand station coffee, and I really do not like the closer impatient talent show. I like the guitar tone and the guitar effects on it. But it's that's very, about it. It's very that one also reminded me of Velvet Underground, very bohemian sounding, uh, you know, messy, but like still happy. Which whenever I think of messy and happy, I just think of Velvet Underground, and I, I fucking never liked it. I tried to like it, but uh, it's just not. It wasn't meant for me. By God, it was not meant for me. And I like Velvet Underground. I like early two thousands garage rock. And you still don't like this? I still don't. That's like fascinating. It. 
That's fascinating to me because like in some, yeah, in some ways it's like arguably for me. That's, that's amazing. Cause this whole time, this whole discography we're listening, I'm thinking like, yeah, this is fine, but I, I hate the things that they're inspired by minus Nick Cave and Nicky pop, of course. But like the things that it's reminding me of, like, I'm just not offensive. It's clearly, it's my problem. Clearly it's my fault, but you're saying, no, it's their fault. Yeah, it kind of is. I think through this, you know, is this, a circumstance of being young and uh, like a wild lead singer who who needed help and couldn't get it and yeah yeah we're saying as though he died he did but not when you think he did no not when you think he did and yeah I I'm gonna say it again so people don't think I'm just a salty like they went on to form the Walkman, which is fucking cool. That so. is cool. I haven't heard them, but I will take your word for it. Although yeah. I probably won't I, like them, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you would, but like there, I'll tell you right off the bat, um, the playing is like fucking night and day. You, I imagine I've, I've figured it you out. You wouldn't even guess that band featured yeah. three guys from this band. Three guys, man. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, so regarding the background of this album, there's a lot here. Tom notes, it's the strangest thing, but producer Jim Waters also worked with, yes, you guessed it, John Spencer Blues Explosion. It's a lot of overlap. I what? should probably listen to them so I have a point of uh, reference. I heard one song and I heard the similarities. I wasn't like, it wasn't enough for me to make a judgment call on it, though. I think they had a song in um, Baby Driver. Oh, that was a hell of a movie. But you can't talk about that movie because Spacey's in it. But I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. That was a great movie. Edgar Wright <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> Although, I mean, the line is that it was memed after his whole thing where he says, I was blinded by the balls in that kid. Oh, yeah. He, Boy, was he? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The song Bell Bottoms. Yeah, that's the song I heard. Yeah. That's yeah, the, yeah. One of the, I think it's the most famous song. Bell it's a good song. It's a good song. It is. Uh, but so so this is a little bit of the back backstory of this album and what up because this was released on dreamworks i didn't know they had a fucking record label uh i, I always think of uh shrek sorry no um zach and mary i think it's like craig robinson he's like i wanted to open up a gay nightclub called dreamworks but it turns out that's already like a movie studio <laughs> fucking so stupid <laughs> forgot about, i haven't seen the movie in a while uh, <laughs> it's a stupid movie but it makes me chuckle so uh this piece on them and says uh right now the record companies are sort of circling like vultures said stewart in 1996 soon after the release of temple under Boomlights, the three album million dollar deal they eventually signed with dreamworks was an unusual one they were to keep full creative control and most brilliantly their near toothless manager was to get a full new set of Nashers. That's that's what? that's a real thing. That's not like a a colorful way to say they 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 have money now. Yeah, like they they literally got their toothless manager new teeth Holy with the shit. money. The press enjoyed that far more than the fact they refused to make a video for their debut major label single, and were reluctant to do interviews with magazines they thought they thought were lame. Mm-mm. Again, very unlikable, but it is funny. It is funny, but also you guys aren't that cool. That's why it bothers me because I feel like they think they're cool. Yeah. That's why I, because otherwise that's fun. Uh, it says they were accused of arrogance and self-obsession by journalists who gleefully sharpened their knives to review what would end up becoming their first and only album for DreamWorks. Loudest buzz, but little real life bang. The Los Angeles Times wrote in December, 1987. I mean, they're right, but yeah, yeah. it's funny how they were like these media darlings. And then 
this because they wouldn't do inner. Well, they I, were they're pretentious dicks about it. Yeah, they were like, I feel like if you had good music, though, they wouldn't like. Yeah, you know what I think it is, and yeah, maybe I'm full of shit and don't know what I'm talking about, but I feel like it's just if you're fuck if that if you're being real or not. Yeah, no like, one was no one was shitting on Nirvana. Kurt was just as off put by interviewers and was just as awkward and weird and avoided interviews, but you believed him and you liked him. I thought I thought of of Maynard from Tool. Like, yep, that guy is a fucking dick. I think he's great. <laughs> I, I the more I learn about him, the more I dislike him. <laughs> the opposite for me. The more, the more I like him. <laughs> but. Tool's music is fucking fucking great. So I'm gonna be controversial. I like him more than Tool. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> but it's like, anyways, the thing is, with things like that, like, sure, there's gonna be a plenty of pe- people, vultures or whatever, trying trying to pounce on someone that they don't like and, and shit on them uh, uh, unjustly. But a lot of these personalities, people like these fucking. Uh, these personalities that put themselves above the, the people that really believe in themselves. Like look at it like a Pete Davidson. Maybe he's, he's humble about it, but he is a, a, a character, a character celebrity where it's like, this person is weird. They're not normal. They're unusual. They don't do things the way we would like them to be done, but mm. we like them anyway. Yeah. It didn't work with these guys. Cause I don't think they believed it. I would, I don't believe it. I think also, you know, if you're going to like call your shot, you got to You got to back it up. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't think it was backed up again. Musically, I don't think it was backed up at all. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like if the album was like this thing, people couldn't deny or even had some like hooks or was catchy. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was still, they were still hugely influential. So we're not completely correct on anything. No, not that we ever are, but it it worked. It, It definitely worked for some people, but there's something really like kind of phony about them that pisses me off. It, but even, I don't know. I'm just, I'm being an asshole now. It's so funny. Cause I was like, oh, I kind of want to read meet me in the bathroom now, but I'm like, oh, I haven't even read like get in the van yet. So there's a lot of great books. I can't believe it. Is it, did they repress get in the van? Cause when I was trying to buy it, it was, it'd been long out of print. I I don't know. I'll find a fucking digital yeah. copy, whatever. <laughs> but uh, so Stewart says this about this whole period in this deal. He says that I got so fucking manipulated by the press. It was for a three album deal that we didn't complete. And do you know how much we had to give to the lawyer and to the agent? And we got our manager's whole mouth reconstructed because he had no teeth. Told you $800 a month. That was what I got Fuck. paid less than the minimum wage. And we got 10,000 each up front. That was fun, but it was gone very quickly. The whole thing with that deal was totally blown out of proportion. And please don't think I'm bitter. I'm not. It's just that sometimes the bare facts are depressing. He certainly hasn't been completely out of these uh, out of it these past years, as of 2007, of course, when this was written. He enrolled at George Washington University to indulge in his lifelong passion for poetry, and he learned to play guitar. But perhaps this message on the Walkman's website form says it best. It says I, I went to college with Stuart Lupton in New York and lived down the hall from him. He used to sit in the laundry room at 4 a.m. typing on this ancient typewriter. He was a real presence no matter what he was wearing or doing. I figured he'd probably become fantastically famous and drop dead of a heroin overdose before 30. Fortunately, the latter never happened. Sadly, neither did the former. Jesus. But. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, this this album was a complete failure in the, across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's the worst album ever, although it is Alex's worst and least favorite. But it definitely killed the band and paved the way for the Walkman. Yeah, I think it's more of a Stewart issue. Um, it sounds well, like it was across across the board. Yeah, when reflecting on it, like I think this was in 2020. Uh, Martin, he's like it's heartbreaking to watch Stu change, and it's still a mystery to me of what part of that was about addiction and what part was schizophrenia. Oh, see, it says nothing about schizophrenia. Yeah, I I mean, this is straight from like Walter. Yeah, but it's, yeah, I've yeah. never didn't hear that. That's why else. I'm like on top of Tom's notes because I was like, I need a little something, and I found like it's not even a long thing. It's just like some quick blurbs from modern day uh walter martin yeah because th- th- doesn't seem to be any like wild stories about him like acting out it's mostly just like oh he was just on too much heroin it seems like from two again from 2007 it says stewart whose on and off battle with heroin was cited as a primary reason for jonathan fire's collapse performed for a while as stewart stevenson with his friend judah bauer from the john spencer blues explosion shocker and then totally fell off the radar tom notes here uh, more recently says a semi comeback followed with a new band called the child ballads uh who released a mini album in 2007 followed by a couple of re- couple releases as part of the beatings and he died on May 27th, 2018 at 43 and cause of death unreported. But I imagine it's something involving something sad. He's yeah. 43. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. You know, we don't need to know the details. We get it. <clears throat> yeah. A lot of those, like I think Rocky Erickson was another one who died and no one didn't disclose how he died. But it's like, mm-hmm. does it matter? Did, does it really matter? He's, he's dead either way. Who cares? It's sad or whatever. Uh, but check out episode in the 34 elevators. I forgot we did them forever ago. I first. We've never referenced Rocky Erickson until now. <laughs> <laughs> we really should, though. He's a fascinating character. Yeah. Very fascinating. Uh, but thank you so much for listening and watching. And thank you. And also, I'm sorry, Derek, for, <laughs> for shitting on this band. But thank you for suggesting them and for supporting us. I hope you're still going to hang out with us. Oh, God. Uh, let's do a little recap. Um. Jonathan Fire Eater EP with the Silver Surfer on it. Best. That's, that's an album. It's considered an album. Okay, album, yeah. whatever. Um, best personal favorite, and then uh, worst least favorite. Wolf songs for lambs. And for me, same deal. The self-titled debut album. Best personal favorite. It's just the most interesting and most character, most diversity. Still don't love it, but it's still. I think it's the best. And worst least favorite. Tremble under boom lights. The if it was just the EP by itself, I'd probably, I'd probably still give it worse, honestly. <laughs> but <laughs> never mind. But the compilation also worse, at least favorite. I just don't like these. I don't like the style. I don't like what they're doing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so thank you so much for listening and watching. If you hate us, I understand. Talk some shit in the comments. Go ahead. Uh, leave a thumbs up though. And subscribe if, if you want to hang out with us further. We cover a lot of bands that we like that you might also like. Just take a look at the fucking catalog. There's a lot of diversity there. Um, follow me on all social media at Pander Monkey and Alex on Instagram at Every Album Alex. Please follow our history guy Tom Osmond at Tom Osmond Sounds on all social media as well as Tom Osmond for all his music. He does a lot of dirt digging. He gets us albums, uh, review copies of albums. He's a fun guy. Uh, and let us not forget 
patreon.com slash every album ever. That is where you go. If you want to be like Derek and suggest episodes, artists, discographies, whatever, you get some bonus episodes on there. You get to see our schedule in advance. You get to vote on polls to decide who we cover next. You get to join our discord, be part of our very fun and active community, um, as well as suggest episodes for our EAE singles series, uh, new, you know, newer albums that, that came out this year and we'll cover them on our shorter episodes. And if you're tier two, you could suggest a full discography for us to cover on our bigger, longer numbered episodes, as well as any individual album for Patreon bonus episodes. So if there's a big old discography that you know we're probably not going to cover, uh, then suggest an individual album. We'll do it on a bonus episode. And so, yeah, it's fun stuff. Go there, do that, please, and thank you. Check out my debut EP if you don't hate me. It's also cool, whatever. Links to that in the description. Uh, and... Yeah, I guess let's wrap it with, I think, a very easy choice for us. Um, well, I I didn't want to go back to YouTube, but I think we should display the oven, the gas. 100%. Yeah. Oven, the, the gas, the dreams. Because we might get an ad right now, so you can... Uh, oh, yeah. Well, let's, yep, yep. Look at that, an ad. Of well, look at of that. Of course there is. Yeah, we're good now. Okay, so th- <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening and watching. See ya.